Hello, and welcome to the 17th episode of Pin Count, the podcast where we go deep into the tech. We're not your normal tech news podcast. We'll dig into the APIs, look at the tech specs, and sweat the details. We're not journalists or developers and computer scientists. I'm Douglas Shearer, and I'm here with my co-host, Ian Wallace. Hi, Doug. Hi. This week, notice that doesn't specify who frequently they are, but um, this week we're going to talk about pro computers, I think. Yeah, so this is a topic that's had quite a lot of... Um, I, I guess you would say airtime if you're talking about podcasts, but also blog posts. And I'm just going to go with noise. Yeah, noise. Yeah, it's probably a good. Lots of noise about something that might not be released for another two years. Um, yeah, this is all the all the stuff about the Mac Pro and people saying what they want for their Pro computer. And uh, yeah, I'm kind of. I, I yeah. thought we should do this episode because I'm kind of sick of all the whinging, and so I thought we could whinge a bit. Yeah. So the background to this is that Apple broke their silence on what was happening with their Mac Pro, which is like their their workstation, top-end workstation computer, and said that they are going to make a new one, but it won't be out this year, it'll be out at some point. So from that has sprung forth a whole ton of speculation about what that computer is going to be and what it's going to have, and everybody has their own ideas, and lots of them are wrong. Yeah, a lot of speculation what it might include and what they'd ideally have it include, and yeah, we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what, what pro computers are for us or what we think matters in pro computers without being specifically yeah. about the Mac Pro. Yeah, you had some other other link in here. This is interesting and it's kind of related. This Twitter exchange between uh, Dan Liu and Gary Bernhardt the other day about uh, ECC RAM. That was quite terrifying. Yeah, so the Dan Liu article, he had an article, Why ECC? We'll link it in the show notes as usual. And he cites... Um, it's quite an old article, few... but yeah. Yeah, it's an old article where he cites a few different studies and such like and talks about ECC RAM sort of in deployed, um, in, uh, deployed in various environments. Um, one of the studies he cites, they took 10 nodes at random from a large selection of servers um, that had about 16 gig of RAM each. Um, and those 10 nodes selected at random either had between 10 and 1,000 ECC bit flip errors corrected per week. Yeah, I mean, they're just saying 6% failure rate, and it's, it's pretty scary. Yeah. But I guess, I guess tempering the scariness is if it's flipping a bit in your your cat gif, you probably don't mind. Yeah, I mean, the, the exchange between Dan Liu and Gary, Gary Bernhardt is, ve- is very good, and Gary says exactly that. You know, it's going to be a bit flips and things like and sort of slightly larger files, like images, I mean, large files, inverted commas, but like images and MP3s that you're barely going to notice because either their encoding takes, adds so much noise anyway, um, or it's just inconsequential. Yeah, it's, it's still interesting though. I mean, like if you're if you're relying on your data being correct, then why not run ECC RAM? I mean, that's kind of the thing. Yeah. I find this 16 gig number quite interesting as well. I mean, I just happened to be what this study used. My laptop 16 gig, yeah, I mean, I, I use a workstation of 128 gigs, so, yeah. That, right, I mean, yeah, my laptop, my laptop's 16 gig. People complain they want more. I'd like more. I've got a workstation with 32. You've got workstations of, what, 64 and 128? They have ECC RAM, though. Yeah, yeah, my 32 gig uh, workstation does as well. But if 16 is enough to see errors, Yeah. I, maybe like ECC on my laptop. Yeah, and again, in, like, yeah, if it doesn't affect most people, but if you're buying computers for a 1,000 employees, then it's going to affect some of them. Yeah, um, and depending on what they're doing, it may or may not matter. Um, yeah. Related to this, you've got a link in here about the iMac Pro, and I presume this is because it's rumored to be using Xeons. A lot of people have been speculating why, and well, there's your answer: ECC RAM, right? 
yeah, it did seem a bit odd that they were talking about using Xeon E3 CPUs and a, an iMac Pro, whatever that's going to be. Again, there's lots of guesses about what sort of hardware it's going to have, but one of the things seems to be like a new Xeon E3 V6, which isn't released yet. Um, that'll be a Broadwell, or, or be a KB Lake, actually. Yeah, yeah, Xeon's like a bit. Yeah, it's okay, KB Lake, um, but it'll have support for ACC RAM, which seems to be in demand, and if this is the way they fill it, then it's going to be Xeon's and an iMac. An obvious question is, what is a pro computer? And this this is the thing that annoys me about people talking about this stuff and whinging about this stuff. I, th- I think it's quite simple. A pro computer is one you use to make yourself money. Yeah. <laughs> um, so arguments about cost of things are, to some extent, fairly irrelevant, I think. I mean, it's interesting to discuss the value, but most of the time, when you're talking about a tool to do your job, it, even expensive computers pale into comparison compared to the cost of your time. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, especially I've worked not just now, but for myself for over ten years. I think on link- LinkedIn highlighted today that I'd been running my company for ten years, um, and I've always I I like spending good money on computers because I sit in front of them every day, and that's how I make my money. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, well, ig- ignore all that stuff, and that's I mean, there's some there's there's always some limit beyond which you say, well, no, that is too expensive, and there's also I think another kind of characteristic of pro computers is you, it's a tool to do a specific job right it's not yeah it's usually much more tailored and less general than a what, what people might describe as not a pro computer is right less yeah. general purpose so for home use i like using macs and oh wait oh, mac os as it now is os 10 before plus because it's my personal preference i might like to use something like that at work it's not the best tool for the job and actually the stuff i need to use i can use fine in linux and that is the best tool for the job for me yeah leaving aside the problems of what mac hardware may or may not be available um that suits my needs yeah yeah see for for me i'm yeah i work from home most of the time i have a an apple notebook but then most of the software is actually targeted to linux which runs on servers elsewhere or my big workstation that sits at the desk next to me yeah i mean i think i've used linux professionally for my work for oh since 2003 i think at least um yeah so i mean it's yeah it's just it's just how it is but that said i also um i would say i have a ultrabook i use at work which is a windows machine and that's that's very much a pro computer it's got lots of uh, boring corporate features but then it's got excel on it's got it. excel in it though that's uh, in word and outlook and that that's what uh, makes a professional computer but it's not um I don't know if it's a good one. I mean, that's an interesting question. So, so what, what for you is a good professional computer? What would you like? Um, for me, the two two things have almost been very constant, just because of the type of work I do. It's mostly writing servers and running databases locally, then then get deployed to sort of bigger setups elsewhere. But it's a small number of really fast CPU cores, and then really fast I/O as well. Um, I've always placed especially since ssds came out and i started using them in 2009 place like the io really highly on my list of features i like in a computer because um, it's just le- for me it's less waiting around on stuff yeah i mean that's that's uh i mean time is money right that's another big thing about pro computers that's how you can justify the expense of larger large fast ssds and so on yeah and then lots of my I've got lots of work that's it's video encoding um, and I do lots of tests, video encoding tests and I queue them all up and that's why I have a workstation with 16 cores just so I can stick a queue of jobs on it and a, a queue of um, um, perceptive 
perceptual quality tests and just have them all running and I get the results at some later time but that's not the machine I'm working on like day to day or even at all um, I just I give it jobs and it produces results for me but I'd still count that as part of my workflow yeah so I think that's another interesting thing that like for a lot of use a lot of people I imagine pro computer isn't isn't one machine right you said you work with servers yeah. you've got a workstation you have a laptop I mean on my my desk at work I have two workstations and a laptop and another laptop elsewhere um it's yeah but i mean i guess a lot of people as well when they talk about pro computers and other podcasts they if they're a blogger or a journalist they just want to tap words into a keyboard i mean there's not not a huge demands there i guess yeah but then it's, it's still a pro computer it's still has different requirements yeah there, there was an interesting thing i read or I, I saw the other day there's a youtube channel called j2 cents he's a he reviews uh, computer hardware mostly around gaming and sort of video production and he'd been using amd ryzen 7 for a month and he said that the speed of the like lots of people say oh i want really fast encoding for my videos when i'm outputting them he said the speed difference between that and the intel processors they usually use wasn't that noticeable but he didn't really know because when stuff was encoding he didn't sit around waiting for it to encode he went and did other things so i think people get really tied up in this idea that they need lots of parallel processing for things that actually they're going to do other tasks while that's running yeah. that's why i've got a separate workstation for that sort of stuff because i can do other things this is this is a, an interesting point right because there's a lot of th- a lot of things that take a long time and, and a long time could be anywhere from 30 seconds upwards for certain things right you you hit some sort of threshold and i, I kind of think for me there's the i'll just sit and wait for this which is not very long at all i mean maybe maybe yeah. a minute at most there's i'll just sit here and you know read the news because it's going to be like a minute or two minutes i can read an article or i'm going to start doing something else now maybe there's an in-between one which is oh you know go get a cup of coffee and come back and see if it's done sort of thing yeah Um, and then there's the i'll just leave that running overnight and check it in the morning and i I then have other classes beyond that which is i'll leave that running over the weekend and the (laughs) other classes of someone else isn't using their machine for a week so I can run it on their machine for a week or <laughs> or um, I'm going to have to plan this in my calendar because that's going to need two weeks on a on a GPU yeah. um, but uh, yeah it's not being a bit faster unless you can jump those categories doesn't actually make a difference yeah yeah I agree and a lot of it comes down to planning as well like you, these jobs we're talking about the, the higher class ones you tend to know they're going to take that long time where the go and get a cup of coffee when you're like well it might take two or three minutes i don't really know so you just go and make the cup of coffee and you don't worry about whether it's two minutes and 30 seconds or it's three minutes yeah or even yeah even two minutes yeah two minutes or three minutes for a lot of things makes no difference at all but that's quite a big percentage wise um that's 50 yeah. percent performance increase decrease to go yeah but and i know what some people are thinking some people are thinking i don't run high performance jobs but i still use my computer to get my job done and i want to talk about other pro features but we can get onto that in a bit but while we're talking about this, I'll talk about, like, I can give us an example. So my a workstation I do a lot of my work on has is enormously powerful by workstation standards at the moment. 40 cores, 80 threads, 128 gigs of RAM, very fast SSDs. It's nuts machine. But what it does is it means for me certain jobs jump these categories quite dramatically. Um, yeah. So there's an image processing task I do, which is um, processing uh, images from Mars rovers. Um, it's a task that if I run it, on uh, what most people would consider a high-end laptop, uh, four cores, thirty-two gigs of RAM, SSDs, etc. Right? I mean, that's still a pretty high-end laptop these days. But it's a it's a thirty or forty-minute job on that. And if I run it on my workstation, it's a thirty-five-second job. 
that, that's yeah. an enormous difference. So now suddenly, rather than planning this into my day and you know thinking carefully about parameters to get the right results, I can just think, I wonder, I wonder what happens if I change this variable or if I process this data in a slightly different way. Let's, let's just hit go, wait a bit, and see what happens. So suddenly I can work in a different way, um, try risky strategies that I maybe wouldn't have risked the, wasting the time on, um, and produce better results because of it. And that's that's quite an important um, change in working for me. Yeah, this sort of ties in. I do sort of similar processing jobs with video, and there's sometimes when you're, you're experimenting, actually the one machine doesn't cut it. You want to parallelize the job out around lots of machines but you're getting that in one box compared to using a laptop and there's there's a big like benefit to me in doing that and it makes it so much easier to do that means they do do things yeah. you? It's, it's normally just a slightly different command line to do it if it can if the tasks spread out that well yeah um, and it's it's really interesting i think of it is as like the many many core workstation is it's a different type of tool you have to use it differently you have to think about how you can use it differently but then if you can and you do you get these enormous these enormous benefits. I mean, there's there's no way to exploit all that that power if you just think, oh, I'm just going to run the same, exactly the same as I'd run on my laptop. I'm just going to run on this. It just it just won't scale. Yeah, you're just going to end up with one fairly slow core being even slower than the laptop was. Yeah, precisely. I mean, I think my laptop will hit 3.9 gigahertz and the desktop will hit 3.6 on a single core. Yeah. Um, and if you look at it like that, it's not a huge benefit, but then as soon as you're putting a times 80 threads on it, I think then suddenly you're getting places. Mm. And that's nearly two orders of magnitude yes, compared to four threads. So, yeah, that's a, I mean, for for me, uh, so then for me, for that definition, I'd say what makes it pro is this, this it's, it's become a different machine. It's, it's nothing like a consumer computer, really. And that's without mentioning the disk I.O. that you get from a pair of enterprise SSDs. Yeah. What would you consider pro? What do you think is different in a pro computer for you? If you, if you were getting a computer for work and it's not your not not just a home computer or, or vice versa like if it didn't have to be a work computer how would it differ or what, what what is what's a pro feature for you yeah i suppose we've been lucky in the last few years that things like um high speed io have become a sort of not a commodity thing but most sort of um mid to high end consumer um pcs have um m2 pc um what do you call nvme ssds in them so you get most of the performance that i would desire from that without doing any sort of complex setup when does the increase matter? Because uh, I think your current machine's a few years old, so you're not on you're not on gigabytes a second, are you? Or no, I'm not. I'm on it's, it's um, six or eight hundred um, um, megabytes. Yeah, probably megabytes yeah. a second on a SATA drive. Yeah, um, it's not. It's not SATA. It's one of the first PCIe okay. SSDs, but certainly Apple since have made huge jumps where it's a, it's three to four times faster, um, which would actually make a big difference. A lot of the time, where I see it is. Um, loading database dumps to test things i guess it goes back to what i said is it three to four times faster i could still be getting a cup of coffee right yeah exactly i mean most most of the times like we were talking you were talking about the different sort of categories of tasks like um i've got one database load that takes maybe like um 10 minutes but if i could make that three times faster it goes from a do something else task to a make a cup of coffee task so then an interesting Um, question is why do you use a laptop because you could have much faster I think it's just the... I really like using macOS. I like that the tools I like are available there. I have used and can use Linux. I do occasionally just... There's an implication in your response, which is... The implication is, I said, why do you use a laptop? You said you use macOS, but that's implying... The implication here is it's because there's not a macOS desktop of significantly increased power. Uh, there might be a bit of both. It's not that there's a... a, a, a 
a Mac OS desktop with increased power, but also I don't. We've talked about um, um, PC notebooks before. I really like the hardware um, on the Apple notebooks. Sorry, but why even a laptop at all? Why not? Why haven't you gonna go an iMac? Right, my home machine's an iMac. Yeah, so I do need to at least once a week. I need to pick the machine up and go take it somewhere else, and either demo all the same stuff or work on all the same stuff somewhere else. Plugged into a different display and different mouse and keyboard and that sort of stuff. And I have done the syncing two machines thing. Oh, before, it's a pain. It's a real pain. And it's it, it's, a, it's a real pain. And in some cases, you miss out on really critical stuff. Um, and that that can just break a working day if you don't have the right thing with you. And Dropbox is great and you know being able to pull things from Backblaze is great but at some point you're going to end up out of sync and you're not going to have everything you need. One machine is the solution for that. Yeah, it's not even data, it's managing configurations of things which may or may, you know, may, or may not be accurately captured and so on. Yeah. Okay, yeah, because I, I mean I guess for my, I occasionally have to go and demo stuff places and things like that as well but I do do multiple machines but that's because for some of my work the, the benefits of the powerful workstation far, far away. I mean it the example I gave where a task becomes a totally different sort of task because of the power available is a good one. Yeah, it's just impractical to the, get the amount of power that's useful to you in a mobile format, whereas for me, it is practical to do it and there is trade-offs to be made and I'm willing to put up with them. So what, what else make, makes a Pro Machine then? Because there's other people that, like, what other factors do you care about in a Pro Machine? Because I've, I've, I've been debating this as well because I've been looking at, um, there's a kind of new generation of, of laptops out now with NVIDIA's Pascal chips make a, an interesting laptop proposition because they really dramatically increase the amount of computing power you can put in a laptop. And obviously this is something that's key key to my usage. But then the dilemma I kind of have is, to my mind, there are no pro laptops that are in the thin and light but still have a, a decent GPU category. Um, yeah. So I guess for me, I'd say the answer to the question is, like, for a, you need good support behind the tool it's a tool you do to do your job so you either need to be able to pick up another one and continue where you're working off at whatever cost it is very quickly or get good support and so on so i think that's kind of important in pro stuff uh, what, what else would you include in the list of what you want in a pro computer other than performance i mean at that, that point you made about being able to get service and warranty is really important for me um now i have a backup machine so that if my primary machine breaks i can go to the other room and boot a clone a cloned ssd on it on a thunderbolt drive and just get back to work almost immediately after pulling a couple of things just to make sure the sync's reasonably good enough and we get into that two machines problem just there but in an emergency that's fine i guess you mentioned build quality i guess like yeah build, build quality is a big one i guess thrown in laptops and the edgy you know thrown in laptop bags and the edges are chipped and um i've had windows or pc laptops before and they do put up with quite that amount of abuse um, I, I don't know if you get if you get expensive ugly dells then they're they're fine. Um, I, yeah, I've been in the desert and they're still going strong. I suppose that was always the thing. I always had you know prior to having Macs, I always had cheap laptops. So I've not really had the experience of having a sort of high end, even sort of enterprisey type laptop. Yeah, I guess I guess that's the thing. People people might say, oh yeah, I, I buy Macs because I need it for work because it's, it's nicer quality and stuff, and it's like. Tell you what, you spend that money or more in a Dell, you get something that's nicely made. It's not; it might not look as pretty, but it is nicely made. Yeah, I reckon I could hammer nails into the portable Dell workstation. <laughs> They're uh, ridiculous. <laughs> um, yeah. I suppose the inter- the one other thing we're sort of like you're kind of half getting, and I'm not mentioning is like I buy my own computers 
but there's lots of people in lots of environments where they either don't buy their own computer or it's not their money when they're buying it. So it changes the decisions you make about what you're buying. Right, that's interesting. Because for pro use, you'd think it's an interesting thought. You'd think it shouldn't, really, right? I mean, I mean, okay, you might have restrictions. You might, you know, you've got a preferred supplier or whatever and you have to use them. But Yeah, or you've got a budget. But if your budget's reasonable and say you're like me, you want, you know, fast fast CPU and fast storage, you've got that, you've still got budget left. You think, well, I might throw in a nice graphics card. You know, even though you don't really need it. Yeah, it's interesting. How, so how do you think? So I, I'm, I'm, I guess, an example. I've worked in corporate environments and I'm restricted by what I can buy. I have to get budgets and things approved for things. And uh, I may be, in some cases, I'm limited in suppliers and so on. I don't know that that actually affects what I buy and use in any serious way. Yeah. Because, I mean, for, for example, for my use, people might be saying, oh, you should look at things like the Razer Blade. It's got, you know, a GTX 1060 and a small thin like computer and i look at it on the face of it i'm like oh that's great but then i need linux for my work and do they support linux it's like well not officially you can find some support and then i think okay well what's their after sales like if i break it or if it stops working how quickly will i get a new one and then then that's where they start to fall down Um, yeah but then you're saying um and to some extent it's not my problem if i'm buying in a corporate setting right in theory i just the entire department is broken and a new one but then if it's outside their normal contracts and their support agreements and that's not an option so yeah that could be a that could be additional downtime that you're then having to deal with because someone else is slowly getting support and that might not be their fault either yeah but like for example for um i know for corporate dells when i've had problems there's like there's been an engineer on site the next day replacing parts on my laptop just to get it going again you know yeah it's it's quite nice. But, I mean, you're, you're alluding to the fact that it's different if you're um, spending your own money, even on a work machine. How do you think it's different? I think because you're very conscious of how much money you're spending. Um, I do find that, you know, if I... There's a, there's a saying for this. It's like, um, you know, the good feeling of money saved disappears long after you, you know, you bought the product. I'll butcher in that. I'll see if I can find the proper quote. But I spend... I sometimes buy things like um like buying RAM. Right. Like, yeah. Um for a long time I bought way more RAM than I need and it's only recently we've actually got to the point where machines you know, a, a notebook, a standard notebook doesn't have as much RAM as I'd like. Um but for a long time I bought way more than I like and then and than I needed and then had this sort of um the security of knowing that, you know, I could grow with my workloads or I could grow as software moved on. Mm-hmm. Um that's definitely not something you can do in a corporate environment. And lots of the people I work with, they have um, workbot machines, and they're on MacBook Airs with four gigs of RAM. Oof. Whereas now they need like eight at a minimum. You know, so when you're not the one writing the check, or when you are the one writing the check, you can think about things like that, and it's easy to make to look further forward rather than thinking about what the number is right now. But then, I guess, does it does it cut the other way as well? As you sit staring at that number and you think, well, maybe I could get away with something a bit less powerful and then that pays myself another month's salary <laughs> yeah so like the, the case where i have done this is um storage um especially laterally where like the, the notebook i've got just now is a uh, half a terabyte of storage and three and a half year later me is thinking i really wish i'd plumped the extra i think it was like 600 quid for the the full terabyte of storage because even though we're doing 600 quid then i would have had it now yeah and I would have been less stressed about less stressed about space, and I'd be able to run bigger jobs on the machine rather than using external radares. Yeah, I mean it's a lot easier to spend six hundred pounds of someone else's money, right? 
because it's not you're not taking it directly out of your own pocket I guess and um it's interesting though because logically it shouldn't right if you, if you think that helps you get your job done better that's the thing that makes you the money you know you're not spending 600 pounds you're investing in future you I guess yeah it just depends on the situation I was in at the time at the time half a terabyte seems like a ridiculous amount of storage mm. but now it isn't and I, but I honestly never expected to have the same machine three and a half years later I just I have got the same machine and I'm still happy with it and that's it's an interesting as well like computers are, are changing a lot less now aren't they so um, like there's a lot slower advances I think um, yeah, oh yeah I think I, I'm not worried I've never ever been I said about the storage improvements that's definitely been appealing in the last like couple of years but CPUs is what you get 6% performance improvement every 18 months I'm not interested in that at all because that doesn't move the class of tasks the, the time class of tasks I do down any hmm. finally on pro computers I guess what the, the, another characteristic you mentioned using them all day every day is that generally implies you just need um you want higher quality kit that can take that sort of beating, I guess, and you want a uh, comfortable kit, so like a, you know, you want nice monitors and things like this. See, I can't get over. I know you use a single monitor to work on, single twenty-three inch <laughs> monitor. And I, I just don't get that. I, I just can't imagine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is one of these things I've got. I've talked about these before. That like the Apple twenty-three inch um, HD cinema display, I think they were called the aluminium ones, and I, I bought I bought one ten years ago. Or I, I bought it for a very low amount of money from someone I did some work for. And then I bought another one a year ago, which seems even more absurd, for less than 100 quid. Buy a 4K display, man. Yeah, but yeah, as we discussed offline, I've got one machine, my gaming PC, that would run a 4K display, but then I would only see it for maybe the minute before I booted a game up and had to play it in 1440 because of the limitations of GPU and CPU power. I guess it depends on the type of work you do. If you're mostly working with text, then the screen area is less critical. Yeah, but there's also, I mean, 4K is really appealing for working with text because the, my notebook is retina and it, text is noticeably better on it and causes less eye strain over a long period of time. Yeah, I mean, that would be the reason to do it, right? It's, it's for yeah. your health, man. You need a new machine. <laughs> yeah, ne- ne- next time I buy a laptop, I mean, yeah, literally, next time I buy a notebook, that's getting done. But for for me, I, I guess it's just different types of work, right? Because I I do a lot of work with uh, visual media, three D photos, video streams, etc. Where I need to see them side by side with the code and stuff. So that's where I like I find myself really hurting for screen space. Yeah. Um, so because I want to see the code and the three D application at the same time, and then suddenly that's that's getting tricky. Um, yeah, I, I want a four inch four K screen. That's a, that's I think that's the future. <laughs> <laughs> actually bring on the 8k screens they're a bit pricey at the moment yeah yeah okay so i think that's quite a good summary of pro of pro, what, what pro computers are so i guess do we want to finish this up by circling back to the original thing so i mean yes our original conceit was all these people talking about mac pros they just say what they think is they say the computer that they want and i guess we've kind of done that yeah that, um, i think that's exactly it with pro computers like everyone has their own need um, there has been I previously in a previous episode when people were talking about the the current MacBook Pros and how they didn't meet their needs and I, I described everyone as being a, a special snowflake yeah. I think it seems to be less of the case in terms of speculation about the Mac Pro where everyone agrees if they have like a single socket two PCI slots and two M.2 slots inside a box that lot, you can configure how you want people will be reasonably happy with that that would meet a lot of people's needs and when you look talk about the things both you and I need, maybe you won't get 40 cores in it, but it could probably meet the needs of both of us. 
with different configurations. It come pretty close, um, but then I, I still think would I buy it? No, because it it doesn't provide enough yeah. benefits to me. Right, I would need yeah for for me because I use Linux. And would you buy it? No, because you want to carry a laptop around, right? Yeah, I want to carry a laptop. But then the analog to that is um, my big workstation is like an HP Z six twenty. It's a few years old at this point, and if you look at the spec and configurations configuration options for those they're incredibly flexible that you can do so much with them in terms of making it your own you can have one cpu socket or two you can um i think that one takes up to you know three eight four gigs of ram which isn't much by current standards but you know you can you could have done that if you wanted to there's like four pci slots like full length pci slots so you've got that option as well so the machines are both less custom but more customizable you're not making up it's like a the box is meant to be general and you just fit it out how you like it yeah i guess pro computers need to be boring (laughs) do they need to be boring i guess yeah they need to be boring very boring boring and reliable exciting in different ways yeah i think that'll do for just now i'm sure we're thinking more things we'll talk about and follow up for the next four episodes yeah so thanks for listening to pin count uh, we put the show notes online at pincountpodcast.com. For this episode, if you got any feedback on what's a pro computer for you, did we not talk about something that matters to you in pro computers, then do write us. You can either tweet us. Um, I'm at the underscore accidental and Doug is at Douglas F. Shearer. Or um, tweet the show at pincountpodcast. Or if you've got some longer feedback or uh, want to send us some uh, documentation or photos of your awesome work machine then uh, wrong on the internet at pinkoutpodcast.com is the address to use do we have any after show I, I don't know I don't know if we've got any we after show <laughs> we didn't add any notes uh, the, the episode title's definitely got to be pro count <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>